on this episode of Hit the Deck. The Tampa Bay Lightning are hosting a coastal confab of hockey, and you'd be doing yourself a favor to check it out. Coming up is the first annual Bolt Beach Bash, and it involves a couple of great ball hockey clinics and stuff. And what do you do when you wear out a deck hockey rink? You wear it back in again, of course. West Chrysanil's recently revamped a, a deck hockey rink, and for whatever reason, and I was shocked to hear this in this article, that it wasn't being used very often. Here's another sidebar. This is what you get when we don't have a guest. You just get my stream of consciousness. I'm sorry. Plus, did you hear about that time when Canada hosted the father of all pickup games? Gordy Howe, out of nowhere, just showed up to a local park and started playing ball hockey with the kids. All this and more coming up on this episode of Hit the Deck. Game on! Welcome to episode 144 of the Hit the Deck podcast, where we talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey, it's hockey in sneakers, and we are so happy to be back with you, back on the horse, back at it once again. Another week has gone by. Has it really been another week? It seems like only yesterday I was sat here on my couch. Well, I'm sat here on my couch almost every day, but... It seems like only yesterday that I was sat here, sat down, talking to James about some ball hockey. I can't believe it's been a whole week already, but so it has, and so we shall get on with it, because I'm sure you don't want to hear about me yammering on and on about my lack of a adequate grasp of the flow of time. So, uh, that being the case, I think I'll jump right into tonight's starting lineup. So, for tonight's starting lineup, in goal, as ever, I am number 35, your American rhino, Gary McComiskey, and, of course, my staying at it co-host. On defense number four, I'm James Sejazy. I'm not sure exactly what that's supposed to mean, James, but I was at a loss for something clever to say, so I just threw out the first thing that came to my head. I thought that was very appropriate because it was a quick week, but it was a tough week for me personally. So I had to carve out some time to put the on deck together. And it was at the, um, not the usual attention that we put into it, but it was taken care of nonetheless. So yes, sometimes you just got to grind it out and find a way. And I think that's what we've done this week in the quick week that it was. Well, I'm sorry that you have had a difficult week and I'm sorry that you've not had the time to pay extra special attention to the on deck as you usually do, but I think uh, we'll make up for it with a lovingly handcrafted podcast episode this week. What do you think? Agreed. And why should last week be any different from any other week? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what is different from the recent weeks that we've had. We have no guest this week. It's just you and me, baby. Yeah, hopefully we're working on having another guest next week. But thanks to, yeah, Craig and, and all the guys that joined us and Becky as well, we had a wonderful run of guests. So it does feel kind of odd that we don't have somebody else to speak to tonight. But getting back to the old basics and enjoying just doing a podcast with my buddy, the American Rhino. HTD old school, baby. Yeah, on a tangent, I'm... I mean, I'm not the WWE fan that you are, but I'm just mm -hmm. following on uh, Twitter and stuff that it seems like they're going to be doing a reunion on Raw coming up. Yeah, on Monday. Uh, ratings have been really in the toilet for Raw and SmackDown the last few months, so I, I think this is just a stunt. Speaking of 
stunts, well, to pull up ratings, they also recently hired Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff, respectively, to run Raw and SmackDown. So, yeah, I think this is just another one of those stunts that they're trying to get viewers by any means necessary. SummerSlam is going to be in in a, like a month, so mm. I think, you know, they're just they're they're just trying to get eyeballs on the product. Okay, well, it worked for me, so well done. <laughs> All right. Well, good. Yeah, there's there's I mean, I, again, this isn't a wrestling podcast, but you asked, there are going to be a lot of old uh superstars and by old, I mean you know, from a ways back, not old necessarily like doddering and infirm. Although, you know, there may be a few of those too. I don't know. The oldest one I remember seeing advertised as the million dollar man, but I, I could be forgetting someone. Oh, Flair might be there. So he, he's going to be the oldest one if he's, I don't remember. Whatever. Not, okay. not the point. Not a wrestling podcast. Sorry. By the way, how are you doing? Oh, thank you for asking. I'm okay. Uh, it's, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm fine. I I'm I have nothing new and exciting to report, so let's just leave it at I'm fine. Thank you. All right. And we hope that you have been doing well, listener. I, I you know, I wish I wish I could give you some crazy uh or or you know, interesting anecdote from the last week to sate your audio expectations of this podcast, but sadly I have no such anecdote to deliver. Well, you know, I will say this, James. This is something that I know is an area that concerns you, and, and that is that is the Spider-Man. I did have occasion to see the new Spider-Man movie, Far From Home, and it, it delivered. It really did. I thought it was fantastic. It started a little bit slow, I thought, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because this comes hot on the heels of the Avengers finale, and you know that was just a roller coaster jam-packed full of action from start to finish, so to kind of get a little palate cleanser and ramp up to the action in the Spider-Man movie wasn't bad, but it, it, it did take a little while to really grab you, but it was outstanding. I thought it was fantastic. I thought, uh, what's his name? <laughs> I think so highly of him. I can't remember his name. I think the young man that plays Spider-Man currently, whose name is escaping me. I can think of the last two, but I can't think of the, the guy that's doing it now. How bad is that? Anyway, I thought he did a great job. I thought that uh, Mysterio was a compelling character. His motivations made a lot of sense. I thought that, that like, some of the visual effects... I mean, you know, we're spoiled by great visual effects with these Marvel movies, but really, some of the sequences in this movie were just eye-popping. Really, seriously, eye-popping. And the way they explained some of the things that happened in universe was just i had i never saw it coming and it was incredibly clever and well done and just all around i loved the movie and the uh the, the post credits tag was one of those like oh that's incredible i i that's wow it, i mean it was no shawarma but it was it was really really out of left field and and fun and it left you wondering, like, wow, they could go absolutely anywhere from here. Very exciting. Uh, it, Tom Holland is uh, the actor's name. Uh, Tom Holland. Okay, yes. that's. You know what? He's probably, he's, he's probably escaped my... Well, I was going to say he's probably escaped my memory because he's actually English. He's yes. not an American Spider-Man. But wasn't Andrew yep. Garfield also English? Yes, that's true. And Tom Holland is much better in that role. So, I don't know. 
I guess that's that's not really the barometer. I'm just really excited that uh, Marissa Tomei is back as Aunt May. Yeah, she's great. Like, at, <laughs> I, I still can't believe she looks the way she does. <laughs> I don't mean to harp on this or, you know, objectify her or whatever. It's just, you know, she was in My Cousin Vinny a hundred years ago, and she looks almost exactly the same as she did then. And I, I just, like, it's, it's unreal. I, I, I can't explain it. That's good living for you. And some darn good genes, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. I believe she's a Brooklyn girl, too, so uh, well done. Yeah, I mean, so the short version, I guess, is you have the uh, American Rhino's stamp of recommendation for that movie. Go go watch it. Awesome. And how did you spend your, I mean, I know you said that you had a tough week, but did anything uh, worth mentioning happen to you this week, James? Well, the good thing was it was my brother's birthday, as we mentioned mm-hmm. in the last podcast, and he appreciated he your, yes, your birthday wishes. So thank you for that. So I was able to spend the weekend with my family and uh, niece and nephew. So that was a ton of fun. But speaking- Out of curiosity, yeah. what did we get him? Oh, my brother <laughs> loves, um, he loves bourbon. And there's this particular bourbon, if speaking of movies, if you're a fan of the uh, John Wick trilogy, that there's a bourbon known as Blanton. And the first time I saw it was in the first John Wick film. And I decided to buy it. This was about, I don't know, three or four years ago. And all of a sudden, everybody caught on, I guess, because of the movie. And it's become extremely expensive now. But Saved my pennies, bought a bottle for my brother, and that's what we got him, and he appreciated it, and it went over very well. Well, good. <laughs> it went down smooth. He didn't open it yet, because it's really that, uh, it's for savoring and for- Special, special occasion. Yes, I guess. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, the other funny thing, too, about the, uh, uh, the, the bourbon is that the caps, or the, the corks on top, if you mm-hmm. collect all of them, they spell out the word Blanton's, and there's a horse on it, so it looks like a horse galloping, too. So I don't know if I can afford eight bottles of this stuff, but it's something <laughs> something fun for you uh, aficionados out there. We were in a similar situation with the recent Happy Meal toy giveaways. They were Toy Story 4 themed. And if you got all of them, they assembled into an RV. Wow. Yeah, we didn't get all of them, unfortunately. Right. But, you know, we made a good, healthy stab at it. Well, healthy, given that it's McDonald's, probably isn't the right choice of words, but we we try, you know, we we made a good try. All right. Well, hopefully eBay is worth it out there and maybe there are people that aren't looking to rook you. So, that that's a good plan B. Toy Story 4, also a movie that I saw recently and I won't give it nearly so detailed as a review as I did it with Spider-Man. Suffice to say, it was a good movie. I I I think it's probably the weakest of the four, but that's not a knock on the movie. That's just the fact that the first 3 were such a incredibly strong trilogy it would be difficult to stack up you know comparably but it was it was fun it was a fun movie it had some really serious moments it had some you know very uh funny moments and it you know it was a it was a toy story movie it's worth watching yeah well it's summer it's time for great movies and it's also of course time for plenty of deck yeah nothing nothing better than to go out and you know play some ball hockey so uh, that's a great segue there, James. I'm glad you brought it up. I'm glad one of us is on the ball here. Uh, you see what I did there? Nice, nice. N- not really. No, it was a pretty weak and obvious. Uh, anyway, so since you did bring it up, James, I'm going to put you on the spot because if we're talking about it, we're talking about it. We're going. We're doing this thing. It's go time. Here we are. Here we go. Ready to rock. I don't know. 
Uh, I just killed half a bottle of Mountain Dew, so I'm 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 a little I'm a little amped up for the show. Anyway, regardless, since you did bring it up, James, as I said, I'm going to put you on the spot. Will you please tell us what's on deck for this podcast? Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Beach blanket deck. The Lightning are back at it, promoting ball hockey. Saturday, July 27th is the first annual Bolts Beach Bash, and if you're in the area, you won't want to miss all the fun. Home opener. An apparently lonely deck hockey rink that received a new lease on life in British Columbia, Canada, had a grand opening a couple of weeks ago. Come on, guys, don't let that rink go to waste. There are millions of starving New Yorkers who would love to have it. And was that heaven? No, it was Newfoundland. What sounds like the real-life deck hockey version of Field of Dreams, ten years ago, Gordy Howe just showed up at a park in Bishop's Falls. And that's what's on deck. Thank you, James. You're welcome, sir. If you build it, he will come. Yeah, man. It's a pretty interesting story and, and uh, looking forward to talking about it. Yeah. Well, we will talk about it. Oh, yes, we will talk about it. Don't you think we won't? Because uh, that's what we do here on this podcast. We talk about stuff. But before we get to it, <laughs> you got to be patient. You got to wait your turn. Gordy Howe, you have to sit down and wait your turn to get talked about. Because first... We have a little bit of business down in the uh, Tampa area. So, you know, James, what's this beach blanket stuff? Yeah, the Lightning, we've talked about it many times because they are such an incredible franchise in promoting the great sport of hockey in general. But they are smart enough to do it through ball hockey, which, again, we've said many, many times that the allure of deck hockey and ball hockey and street hockey is that there is no skating involved. So it really takes out a lot of the intimidation if people are worried or afraid to try hockey, to try it. And it, it's always so much fun and, and people don't even realize how much fun it is or, or how good they could be at it when you take the skating out of the equation. And the Lightning know that. Obviously, being in Florida, they uh, really don't probably don't have a lot of uh, ice hockey rinks on hand. So it makes much more sense to have ball hockey rinks, which they do, and, uh, and roller hockey as well. So they are continuing their great promotion of the beautiful sport with coming up on Saturday, July 27th, that's the recording of this podcast, is uh, pretty soon, is the first annual Bolts Beach Bash, and it's about 12 hours long, and it involves a couple of great ball hockey clinics and stuff in the midst of it. Okay, a couple of things here. One, we were just talking about wrestling a few minutes ago. Didn't WCW have like a pay-per-view called Beach Bash that they would do on a beach? Yeah, I think you're right, as a matter of fact. I was never a WCW guy. I was always WW, well, F at the time, before they got the F out. And <laughs> then uh, that was the actual campaign when they switched over to WWE. It was get the F out. Yep. But uh, for, for those of you who may not be aware, uh, yeah. the Attitude Era was a fun time. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty sure WCW used to hold pay-per-views on a beach, and I I think it was probably a terrible view for, for the fans who showed up, but from what I hear, it was a pretty cool visual when you watched it on TV. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I wasn't a WCW guy either, but um, either way, the, the lightning have taken it over, and it has not gone to waste, so this uh, I this doesn't take place on a beach necessarily. As far as Ooh. I knew. Oh, excuse me. It does. Clearwater Beach. Excuse me. Aha! So there you go. American Rhino, you called it. <laughs> so 
Uh, it starts at 10 a.m. and it's free, by the way. So you can go uh, RSVP. The Lightning recommend that you do so if you visit TampaBayLightning.com forward slash Bolt Beach Bash, and you can sign up. So at 10 a.m. is the Lightning Made Ball Hockey Tournament, and that goes for at least an hour. Then they go into a cornhole tournament, which if you're not familiar with, that's when you throw the, the bean bags into a hole, you know, from X amount of feet away. One of those boards, one of those slanted boards with a hole on it. You throw the, like there's two kind of facing each other and one team stands behind the, the one and throws a bean bag at the other. You know, I used to think I was really good at cornhole. And then a few weeks ago, I played with my father in uh, a very similar type of game that involved throwing bean bags and man, he cleaned my clock. So I, uh, I had a big old slice of humble pie that day. Well, don't feel bad because I have a similar experience with my dad who taught me how to play golf and I've never even come close to not even tying, let alone beating him. So he's always, he taught me how to play, but he didn't teach me how he plays and it shows every time that we hit the links together. So don't feel bad. The old men still have it over us, but at least it keeps us coming back for more and mm-hmm. trying harder. But <laughs> anyhow, so yeah, so then at 3 o'clock at the Beach Bash will be the Lightning Made Ball Hockey Clinic. Nice. Yeah. Although I would think that the clinic would take place before the tournament, so people would know how to play. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe going against this list, if they have that switched up or something, I don't know. But um that's how it's listed in the lineup here. And then mm-hmm. they also have other water balloon tossed and, and limbo contests, trivia contests. Another cool thing is uh, Sunset. They will be showing the Mighty Ducks 3. And then uh, the rapper Young MC will be performing. And then it all concludes with fireworks at 9 o'clock. So basically 10 a.m. through past 9 p.m. You got the Beach Bash in Tampa hosted by the Lightning. And it features ball hockey, of course. I'm a little surprised that they're showing Mighty Ducks 3. I don't remember that movie that well, but I remember number two much better. And I know the beginning of that features, a, I think it was roller hockey, which obviously it's not the same thing as ball hockey per se, but it was played out on like a, you know, an asphalt surface in like a, you know, a park or something. And I would think that would be a lot closer to the whole ball hockey, you know, casual outside, you know, just drop a puck and play vibe that they seem to be going for with this beach bash thing. So if it was me, I think I might have made a different choice, but uh, I guess nobody consulted me on the order of events at beach bash. Yeah, maybe we can get the ear of the Rangers or Islanders or Devils in, in our area and see if they could do something similar. We'd, mm-hmm. we'd be able to pick the movie. Nonetheless, Tampa Bay, great stuff. And looking, if you're in the area, seriously, you got to go check it out. Sounds like a lot of fun. So one of the things that we just admire are the fact that the Lightning do so much for the community around them, promoting the great game. They're such an amazing franchise, too, of multiple great years coming off of, um, unfortunately, they didn't succeed in the postseason, but the regular season, they tied a record for most points and wins and all that. So great franchise, well done. And having deck hockey involved really just tugs at our heartstrings here at Hit the Deck. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's always a good time for ball hockey. I think I said that earlier, and it's still true 15 minutes later or whatever. Yeah, and don't forget your sunscreen too, because uh, as you said in the past, if you're playing ball hockey or street hockey outside, 
particularly on a beach, you're going to need the sunscreen. Man, that stuff, uh, I, you know, I put it on, but uh, I'm so pale. I'm so pale and Irish. It like, it just burns straight through the sunscreen and I get, I get all red anyway. Uh, sweat it off. I, I, it's, uh, whatever. You don't listen to James. Don't listen to me whine about my biological failings. At least you try. Yeah. I see. This is what I tell my wife. I need like SPF seventy. But uh, whatever. You know what? In a, in a bit of a tangent, I think that because we're still learning about how the sun can negatively affect human skin, that I think that there are companies out there that are coming up with really super duper SPFs for that reason, because even with young children and, and personally, yeah, I feel the same way. I'm, I'm pretty pale myself, so I burn easily, but I can't stand that feeling of having the gooky sunscreen on you. But many companies have come up with dry versions of the sunscreen that can protect you as well and sweat proof and waterproof and all that. So hopefully the technology is, is catching up there. And, you know, Gary and I live in the New York area, so Maybe they aren't as much available or there isn't an availability that there would be in, say, Tampa or on the West Coast or somewhere where the sun is always out and it's warm. You know, I was watching a video recently. I don't even remember what it was, but I remember somebody in a store and they were looking at hats and they were like wide brim Indiana Jones style hats. And uh, oh, I remember it was um it's not important. It was uh, uh, outside Xbox slash outside extra. If anybody's familiar with those YouTube channels, they did a vlog kind of video at Disneyland and they were, they were looking at Indiana Jones hats. But anyway, the, the wide brim hats, some of them touted UV protection, you know, UV protecting like brims of the hats. And, and the point was raised Shouldn't all brims be UV protective? <laughs> I mean, is it the whole point to stop the sun from shining on you? Yes. I mean, that just that that's like when, you know, you have a bottle of water that's labeled as, you know, vegan or or sugar-free or something. It's like, yes, obviously that's the whole point of the thing. Do marketers really think that we're that stupid? I'm going to go out on a limb and say yes. Yes, they probably think we're exactly that stupid. Oh, Lord. Oh, but you know what's pretty smart, James? What is uh, playing ball hockey on a rink that's not being used. <laughs> yeah, we, we have to go all the way over to British Columbia, Canada for that one. I mean, do we actually have to go ourselves? No, no, no. That, that okay. Would, yeah. we, we have to pause the podcast, pick everything up and go to British Columbia just to talk about it. Oh. If uh, only a transporter really existed, a la Star Trek. Yeah. Anyway, back here in the 21st century. I would settle for a decent shuttlecraft. Yeah, definitely, man. A good runabout or whatever, sure. But uh, Wes Quesnels... Say that three times fast. No, thank you. I was lucky to say it once. That sounds like a breakfast cereal, Wes Quesnels. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> Pour yourself a hearty bowl of West Quesnels, part of a balanced breakfast. <laughs> well, if you're going to play dick hockey, you're going to need to have a good breakfast. So that's a good. You're way not to wrong. Start. Good way to start. Anyhow, in uh, West Quesnels, British Columbia. West Quesnels. <laughs> they uh, recently revamped a, a deck hockey rink, and for whatever reason, and I was shocked to hear this in this article that. 
it wasn't being used very often. And and as Gary and I have said many, many a time here in the Brooklyn and, and Queens area of New York, that we could definitely use quite a few more deck hockey rinks as a nice option out there. Here in Brooklyn, there are a couple. One was just taken away, as a matter of fact, in the area. So, you know, when we hear a story about a deck hockey rink going to waste, that that's talking about going for our heartstrings with Tampa Bay and the Lightning, this is the opposite. But it's not like the good people of West Quesnel let that go by the wayside. So they revamped and, and renovated the deck hockey rink and they had a grand opening, which was very successful. So and the idea was that it is a community rink and they want people to use it and enjoy it. So this was a great way to promote that. And a lot of people showed up for it. There were 40 players of all age ranges and they split into four teams and they all had a great time and they were all given three t-shirts, and even two slices of pizza, which is nice because one slice just isn't enough. Well, I mean, it's pizza. I, you know, I actually, here's, here's another sidebar. This is what you get when we don't have a guest. You just get my stream of consciousness. I'm sorry, but this is what Hit the Deck is. You've been warned. I was having a conversation with a coworker recently, not somebody I know super well, but somebody that I'm, you know, casually friendly with. And he had noted that I was eating a Hot Pocket, a, a pizza, I believe it was four cheese or five cheese pizza or something, whatever, Hot Pocket, Wes Quesnos. Anyway, so I was having, I was having this Hot Pocket and he, he, he noted that the pizza ones are very good, I concur. And then he said something to the effect of, you know, there's no such thing as a bad piece of pizza. You can't screw up pizza. And I disputed that fact. I said, you know, I don't, I don't know if I agree with your premise because while I agree it is difficult to screw up pizza, I don't believe that that is impossible. I was on a business trip to Seattle a couple of years ago. Uh, longtime listeners may remember that that cost us a podcast or two because of my, a couple of trips I had to make out there. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. There was a somewhat, well, I, I, I say gourmet that's not really the right word, but there was like a fancy pizza place that offered a whole bunch of different types of pizza, like a big, you know, kind of gimmicky menu of pizza items out there that was not far from the Space Needle, uh, walking distance of the Space Needle. That's actually where I was on my way back from when I had said pizza. And I use pizza in quotes. I'm going to cut to the chase here. It wasn't good. Like, I mean, I know I'm spoiled because I live in New York and we have great water, which allows for great dough, which makes for great pizza. But like, come on. I mean, if it's honestly, I probably sound like a pizza snob here, but if it's not good, don't make it. Make something else. Like, come on. I, I just, why settle? Is, I guess is my point. Excellent points. And speaking of Seattle, too, come on now. They're, they're getting a franchise, an NHL franchise, so they better get their act together pretty quickly. And I, want, I don't want to, like, I like Pizza Hut from time to time. I like Domino's a little less, but I'll eat that. You know, I, I, love, I love Ilio's frozen pizza. And, you know, all of those things that I just mentioned, you know, Tombstone. Do they still make Tombstone? Is that still a thing? A going concern? Uh, uh, you're asking the wrong guy. I, I'm Italian. <laughs> Anyway, you know, I like these bagel bites. Oh, you can't go wrong with bagel bites. Like, I like all these things that could very loosely be construed as pizza. I don't think they're bad. But, you know, I mean, they're not New York style pizza, but 
sometimes you want a different kind of pizza. You know, it's like uh, it's like the difference between having you know filet mignon every night. Sometimes you want a hamburger, and that's fine. It's just it's something different. But I think my point is, just because it's difficult to screw up a pizza does not mean it's impossible. I have oh 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 yes, I remember. I remember how we got here. We were talking about how the participants got a t-shirt and two slices of pizza. That's how I got on the pizza tangent. Oh, man. You know, you better, you better rein me in, James, or I'll start talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for some reason. But uh, no, no, no. I was going to say I had a point. I, I, I know it's hard to believe, but I actually did have something I was going to say here. It's probably not worth the very long walk to get here, but I'm going to say it anyway. I would hope that some people were smart enough to know that they should have those slices of pizza after they played and not before. Because if that stuff sits in your stomach, then you may not be such a, such a great player out in that game. Very good. All excellent points, American Rhino. And by the way, if we do start talking about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it's an entertaining podcast either way. Yeah, it's about deck hockey and stuff like that, but we found a way to connect the Ninja Turtles with deck hockey a couple of times. So... Uh, that that's fine with me. Also, to to get back to West Quesnel, it was thanks to the West Quesnel Business Association and the Quesnel Special Olympics that hosted that ball hockey tournament. And the city and local businesses, also Edith and Colin Ketchum, were the biggest reasons behind the renovation of the rink as well. So well done, and uh, hopefully that people will know it's there, and young kids and anybody from all ages, will enjoy that deck hockey rink because if they don't, we'll trade you some good pizza for it. The American Rhino is Donatello for life, by the way. Very cool. Like, if you're asking me about turtles, I'm a Donatello man. I am dyed in the wool purple. That's, you know, that that's that's my boy. And also that makes sense too because uh, the kendo stick, I believe, was his weapon, is it? The bow staff. Bow, excuse me, the bow staff. Uh, I apologize. But that's the s- most similar weapon of the four turtles that could be associated with a uh, uh, hockey stick you're not wrong (laughs) and of course you got casey jones so well yes of course casey jones had an actual hockey stick so (laughs) and the mask so you know he's like come on (laughs) but uh yeah although you know i wonder if april o'neill could play for the women's team well i mean yeah why not if not if she couldn't if she wasn't good enough to play then at least she could do the play-by-play hey yeah there you go that's an idea. <laughs> but speaking of somebody who could play and play at the greatest level there is, this is a really interesting story, which was found on the internet of all places. And uh, in an article written by Nicholas Mercer, that uh, we're going back to Newfoundland on this one. Last edition of Hit the Deck, we were in Newfoundland with a story and uh, for, for an incredible two weekend deck hockey tournament. Yeah, so now we're back. And they are celebrating the 10th anniversary of when Gordy Howe, out of nowhere, just showed up to a local park and started playing ball hockey with the kids. Well, you know what? I'm sh- obviously, he loved playing hockey, or he wouldn't have done it for so many years. But you know what? I- I'm sure he didn't just decide, oh, I'm going to limit myself to playing in ranks, uh, you know, in, in, in professional and semi-professional situations. I mean, if if you love something and you see a bunch of people doing it, uh, yeah, I, I bet you have the urge to jump in and, and play with them. 
Sure, but somebody as legendary as Gordie Howe, that I agree with you exactly. If you love it, you love it, and, and that's that. But it, uh, Gary and I admire so many NHLers for that reason. And every time, we, we love that about the regular season as well, that they incorporate road trips with their parents too. They'll have like around a certain part of the year, they'll take their dads on a road trip to multiple cities and they'll stay in the stands and, and watch their sons play. And the same thing with the mothers, because every NHL player knows between the parents and the coaches and anybody, adopted parents or aunts, uncles, it's a family thing. And, and they appreciate the sacrifices that uh, their parents made for them, because getting ice time, no matter where you are in the world, you, you have to get up really early to play and, and practice. So you're talking about 4 or 5 a.m. And, and stuff like that. And this is during the week, too. So we, they have work. The kids have school to make it happen. It's extraordinary. And it's a family effort, uh, just getting to and from the rink, buying the equipment, this, that, and the other thing. And the NHL has that bond and they remember it and they nourish it. And it's beautiful. So I don't know if that's just ingrained in everybody, but when you're talking about the elite air of like, I guess the Mount Rushmore of hockey, you got Wayne Gretzky, you got uh, number four flying through the air there, Mr. Orr and uh, Gordie Howe, you know, that, that's a, Pretty good start for the three of the greatest hockey players of all time. But for him to just show up, the reason why he showed up at this particular park is that uh, a teammate of his between 1962 through 1964 in the Detroit Red Wings was a man by the name of Alex Faulkner. And Alex Faulkner owns that park. <laughs> so Gordie Howe was there for, uh, th there, there was a reason why he was only there for a few days. And it was for a special event that he was a member of. It was an anniversary or whatever the case was. And, and he was kind enough to show up to speak. And during his brief time there, he one of the things that he did was he showed up at the park in, in, in June of 2009 and started playing ball hockey with the kids. Yeah, and he, he it's, it's not like he came with his gear either. This guy, Alex Faulkner, who owned the rink, he was just, you know, he was friends with Gordie Howe. He brought him down to show him around. And so I guess he didn't come necessarily with the intention of playing, but he saw the kids playing and he just picked up a stick from off the ground and jumped in with them. Exactly. And, you know, you have to wonder whose stick was that? And if you're that particular kid or person or whoever, do you ever play with that stick again? Wow, that, that is a great question because you figure either it's blessed or you want to hang that thing in a museum. Right. It belongs in a museum. <laughs> well, it's a callback. That's a callback, kitties, to last week. Anyway, yeah, so, but that, that's the real dilemma. Like, if Gordie Howe played with your stick, you got to think it's automatically got some goals in it, right? Just kind of something's got to rub off there. But you don't want to take the risk of it breaking because that would be the worst case scenario. You're right. You want to, you want to get that thing hung up on your wall and, and, you know, probably signed if possible. But regardless, I think the, the fact that he used it is, is much more important. You want to get that thing up on a wall, but if it's got, you know, how awesome would it be to say that you scored a goal with the same stick that Gordy Howe used? It's a dilemma that I'm glad that I did not have to resolve for myself. Great questions. And, and that, yeah, I mean, that, that's one of those things that, you know, that, that's, like a philosopher's question, like what's the sound of one hand clapping or something, or if a tree falls in the forest, does it make a sound? I think the sound of one hand clapping is something like this. 
yes. <laughs> okay. I don't know if any of that got picked up on the microphone. And also, I'm from the camp that, yes, it doesn't matter that a human being wasn't in the forest. If a tree falls, it definitely makes a sound. Just ask the animals that are crushed. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> Anyhow. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's pretty remarkable. An excellent point, American Rhino. That, that's um, having the Gordie Howe use your hockey stick. Wowee, that, that, that's something else. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's something. And good old Gordy jumped right in. As they said in the article, he was like one of them. He just integrated himself flawlessly into the contest, helped players with their grips, and even delivered one of his trademark elbows, albeit playfully. So even if it was a joke, I wouldn't want to get in the way of, of Gordy Howe's elbow. Even, uh, you know, 10 years ago, he was in his 70s, I think, because he recently just passed away in 2016. I believe he was around 88 years old. But uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to, to get in, in the way of one of his legendary elbows, even if it was a joke or not. Yeah, he was uh, he was probably 80 or 81 at this point, I think. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, you know, if I'm the goalie standing in there against Gordy Howe, I mean... It, it's got to be it's got to be a thrill and an honor to to make a save on him if it's possible. But if you give up a goal to Gordy Howe, that's that's kind of a badge of honor, too. Right. Oh, definitely. And you, you want to keep that puck. That's what you tell yourself to console yourself when you <laughs> when you realize how badly and thoroughly embarrassed you were. No, I mean, it, yeah, it, it's not like just some guy that decided to hey let me try this and he's scoring on you left and right that's different i mean this is i just legendary. got my pants pulled down by an 80 year old man but who's mr hockey so that, that that's fine no i don't <laughs> no you you're right you're right tongue-in-cheek and all that but uh, that, that that's pretty remarkable too uh, but yeah how would you like to be the goalie that made a great save off of gordy Howe? then you'll be getting one of those real elbows i'd imagine yeah well you know what yeah, we all get lucky occasionally. <laughs> so, better make sure your gear is really in place, including that uh, that helmet of yours. But yeah, anyhow, there was another young lady that was just six years old at the time. Her name is uh, Shannon Ivy that was there. And she was quoted as saying, how was so nice, generous and humble. And he spent lots of time getting pictures taken with everyone. That just goes to show you again that somebody who's a megastar could be so humble and take so much time out of his day. Again, he was only there for a few days. It wasn't like he was there for a week or whatever the case was uh, to, to, to treat every player and youngster as an individual and, and sign autographs and take pictures and give him tips. He just one of a kind, absolutely brilliant. And it really, again, speaks to what NHLers are like as a whole. They're really down to earth, amazing people. Yeah. I, well, you know what? The best people are. The, 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 you know, the ones that really stand out above the pack tend to be right. The ones that are really special. Yeah. Like, you know, you hear stories about Wayne Gretzky, how he's the most, you know, humble and salt of the earth type guy. It's, I, I think you have to be because to be at that level, you have to have a certain detachment from, you know, all the, the hoopla and the, you know, the associated fanfare. I mean, this is a, this is a completely different you know frame of reference but james you and i are met fans look at matt harvey who was uh for for those of you who may not be aware matt harvey was uh like a, a superstar ace pitcher for the mets and he like he loved the 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 whole superstar lifestyle he'd 
he'd go out and go to Ranger games and hang out with Henrik Lundqvist and go out in clubs, you know, all night and, and be like a New York celebrity. And that's like, he, he, you know, the whole thing seemed to go to his head. And then he had some injury problems and he like, he just kind of fell off a cliff and he completely lost his ability to pitch like an ace. So people sometimes, if they have a lot of ability, they let that define them and, and they embrace that as who they are and they have nothing to fall back on when they start to falter. But, you know, if you just let that kind of, you know, superstardom flow over you and take it in stride and, and be a good person and just, you know, stay true to who you are and, and what got you there, then I, I think those type of people tend to have a lot more success in the long run. Yeah, totally agreed. It's true. You really need to have your head screwed on right and your feet planted on the ground. And uh, humility is a good thing because I'm sure, yeah, speaking of Gretzky and, and Howe and uh, Bobby Orr, is they all share that in common. They're superstars. They were incredibly gifted, but they're all were humble. I mean, you know, we, we lost Howe, so we have to speak with it, of him in the past, but they all shared that. Not only the superstardom and the talent, but they shared the being humble and, and humility. Absolutely remarkable because as a fan and somebody who's tried to play uh, ice hockey and uh, who really isn't very good at deck hockey either, to be honest, it, it's, it's astounding how they could be so great at something. And how somebody like I am who, who, who just struggles at just trying to be mediocre, uh, it's extraordinary. But to, to still, like you said before, to love the sport that much and to want to take time out of your day. And Lord knows, maybe, you know, again, he was in his 70s thereabouts when he was doing this. I'm sure he didn't feel very well and aches and pains, but that didn't stop him at all. And maybe it was hot outside. It was June 2009, but he still took the time and, and the effort to, to teach the game and have fun. And Alex Faulkner is even quoted in this article as saying that it is not every day that people with his notoriety would be the type of person that he was. How played ball hockey with the kids up in the park like he was one of them. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And James, I just want to go on record here really quick to say that you're a lot better at the game of hockey than you give yourself credit for. Your biggest problem is that you make a mistake and then you get in your own head and it, it screws you up. So if you can kind of take some of that advice about letting things, you know, roll over you and, and taking things in stride, I think you'd be pretty, you know, pretty well set. Point taken. Thank you, American Rhino. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> Appreciate it, too. That, that's very kind of you. Uh, um, just speaking the truth. All right. But, uh, but yeah, so again, uh, how was in town in Bishop's Falls for the 2009 Centennial Celebration to speak at a dinner? And uh, it was for honoring town members and so on and so forth in Newfoundland and Labrador Hall. And because that's where Alex Faulkner lives, he asked his buddy, Gordy Howe, if he'd be interested to come and, and be at the dinner. And he said yes. So for the few days that he was there, not only did he play deck hockey, show up at the park, but he did a Q&A session with some minor league hockey players. He joined in another street hockey game. He visited uh, campgrounds. He visited Faulkner's brother. Also, he also visited a man by the name of Ron Healy, who was not only a cancer survivor, but I believe he was a referee in a minor league hockey. So that was really very big of Gordie Howe 
because referees weren't his favorite people on the planet. So that was nice. And he, and even Mr. Howe visited some sick children too, I'd imagine, in a hospital or whatever. For the little time that he was there, he made the most of it. And really just absolutely extraordinary and something that we should all attain to try and accomplish. And, and as the American Rhino said, that's what a captain is. That's why you follow these people. That's why they are great because they don't think they are, and they just do what is right, the way everybody should be. Yeah, well put, James. And on that note, I think we need to get out of here. My headphones are shedding. Okay. Last minute remaining in the podcast. Yeah, okay. So, well, that being the case, we would like to thank you for setting with us here uh, like on, on the proverbial porch and listening to us go on in another episode of Hit the Deck and and letting us do this for you every week. It's it's our sincere pleasure, and we're glad you chose to take the time with us. We'd like to thank Anthony Sajazi for providing us with music for the podcast. Happy birthday again, bro. Enjoy that gift responsibly. <laughs> and uh, we would like you to know that if you would like to share your thoughts with us on any myriad number of topics, be they suggestions for our podcast feedback on something that we've opined about here on the show whether you have an opinion on whether or not you would use a stick that was used by gordy howe in a game whatever feedback you have we would like you to talk to us please feel free to email us at hit the deck at gmail.com you can tweet at us at hit the deck pod deck is of course spelled d-e-k you can get us at hit the deck on facebook and instagram really whatever we're we're here we're easy we want to talk to you and we also want to hear that you subscribe to this podcast. We want you to know that if you subscribe, you won't have to go looking for it every week. It'll just be there when you want it. So subscribe to us on whatever your podcatcher of choice is. So we'll be there for you. And we can all be one big happy Hit the Deck family. James, is there anything you'd care to add here at the end? Yes, thank you, sir. Certainly. Looking for places to play deck? Please check out the Columbus Deck Hockey Association, the Charlotte Street Hockey League, Raleigh Street Hockey League, the Bar Hockey League, the DCSH, and the DCHL. And if you can, please donate to LaGrange Hockey. And thanks for listening. Thank you, James. Thank you, sir. And we will thank you, dear listener, as is our custom, to remember that whether you're playing some ball on a sandy beach or a recently reclaimed rink, whether you're going on a pizza-fueled tirade or finding yourself graced with a living legend, regardless of what you happen to be doing, we would always encourage you to remember it's deck hockey. Don't be that guy. Thanks, everybody. We were talking about Last how the part- remaining in the podcast. That was through two pieces of paper. How did I screw that up?